Welcome to the Seminole Rap Podcast, fellas. It's game week. Florida State game week. I know it's exciting. The number eight Knowles take on number five LSU Sunday, 7 p.m. in Orlando's Camping World Stadium. Uh, we're what, recording this Sunday afternoon, early evening-ish. Uh, LSU still sitting a two and a half point favorite, which I know has some of you guys perplexed. So I'm sure we'll hear about that in a bit. Uh, and some big news for LSU on the defensive line since our last show. Uh, we let the three of us were all together two weeks ago. So certainly a lot to talk about there in that game. We'll talk about it, give our picks. We'll also look a little season long predictions, uh, kind of what is the bar? What What is attainable? What is the floor, the ceiling, that type of stuff? Yeah, it's, a, it's an LSU season preview. Right, we got a little bit of both here on Seminole Rap. I'm your host Brian Peller and John Marchant, Ben Meyerson. I got it right. You did. There we go. See, I butchered it last week or two weeks ago, so I'll apologize here on the air for everyone that I had it wrong. Meyerson's my guy. I'll bother him all weekend at, at in, in Orlando. You guys excited, John? How we feeling? Uh, <laughs> I can't put it into words, man. It's finally here. Months and months and months of waiting, and now there's no more waiting. Well, one more week. The offense What's always, one more week? The offseason always seems to drag, right? It just seems, especially when you're good, when you don't want yeah. to come around, you're like, wow, this is the quickest offseason ever. We're going to play again? Right, because in June you can tell yourself, oh, this team's going to stink. Who cares? It's whatever. I'll just keep going with my life. But when you know they're going to be good, you're just like, ah, where's the season I want it now? Yeah. That Give was it to me. Time. Ben, excitement? Yes. Yeah, very excited. Um, Brian and I are both going to be at the game, so that's going to be a lot of fun to to get to go to Camping World. Um, yeah, I I think this is going to be an electric game. It's going to be one of the best games of of maybe the entire season of college football, let alone FSU schedule. So you know, just the fact that we're uh, we're going to be able to go and see that in person, um, you know, I'm I'm super excited. I hope it lives up to the hype. Like you mentioned, uh, two and a half point favorites. We'll definitely get into that. But, uh, you know, if if last year was any indication of how close the game was going to be, it's it's going to be fireworks next week. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it's anything but a fireworks show. And you really took the words out of my mouth in, in terms of like a potential game of the year of what I'm kind of expecting this season to play out as. And it's great because it's scheduled years ago. We'll start with the LSU game before we do the full season. I think it's kind of a perfect springboard onto what to expect for the year. Uh, if you did miss our conversation last week with Grant, I'm sorry. I should have looked up how he was supposed to pronounce his name. So I think it was Sasha Ray. Um, he's an LSU beat writer. He's at and the Valley Shook. That's our SB Nation uh, brother, sister over there on, on uh, from Tomahawk Nation. So go ahead and follow up on their stuff. It's got a lot of conversation about LSU's strengths and weaknesses, but even that didn't have the most up-to-date news for LSU uh, because even since then we've learned that their defensive tackle, Mason Smith, is going to be out for a suspension for this FSU game. Um, but really, as it comes down to it, I'm thinking this game, to me, is one of the best of the season. I'll really seed the floor to you guys. Ben, what do you expect? What is FSU going to do to win? What really could be the downfall if they were to lose? Yeah, I mean, in terms of you know starting first off with what FSU needs to do to win, I, I, I think it's it's it starts with the run game and 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 that's pretty simple obviously but when we're talking about Florida State football um that's that's just where everything starts with Mike Norvell and this team specifically so I, I think it starts with the run game but but more importantly if we're looking at both sides of the ball I, I think the line of scrimmage is where this game will be won and lost and, and that's where a lot of games are won and lost but when you have two highly talented teams like this who have you know these excellent skill players good quarterbacks on both sides of the ball uh I 
I really feel like that's kind of a wash when you look at the skill position guys, the passing game, um, and, and, and kind of how those match up on both sides of the ball. But I, I think where FSU can have an advantage, especially with uh, no Mason Smith, is going to be um, winning on the offensive line. Now, obviously, we know with this Florida State group this year, they've kind of been putting it together. We'll we'll see what it looks like. I I think you know that's kind of the one big question we have about this team right now is what is this offensive line all going to look like? I, I think they're going to look good, but you know we're still kind of yet to see it all put together. Obviously, they haven't played a game yet. Um, I I do think the one thing I am really worried about though in terms of a, a potential downfall for this team, and and I'll pass this over to you, John, too, because I, I like your thoughts from the game last year and just you know when I was reflecting back, I, I thought where Florida State really struggled was containing the quarterback run and containing uh, Jaden Daniels, his mobility, not really being able to end plays. Um, so I think for FSU and their defensive line, being able co- to contain the run and not only the run, but the quarterback specifically and not letting him scramble, make extra plays, um, you know, finishing sacks. To me, that's the one area where even though I have a lot of confidence in this FSU defensive line this year, Last year, I, I think the reason LSU stayed in this game was because of that. So I'll, I'll be really curious to see how that plays out uh, in this year's game. Yeah, I mean, I think you you kind of hit everything there. Uh, I, I'd agree with you. I mean, Daniels is a he's a good player, very good player, uh, very dangerous. You know, when he when he takes off, that was definitely something that they took advantage of last year. You'd like to see Florida State have a little bit more discipline in their pass rush lanes. You know, versus an absolute monster. Uh, converts you know speed to power very well. He has that explosive first step. Now he's up to like what two sixty five, and he already converted speed to power extremely well. And the guy's now enormous. So <laughs> I, I mean, he's <laughs> uh, versus absurd. Uh, Patrick Payton, right? I, he's also explosive. He can bend the corner. It's one of those things. Either you have it or you don't. But does he have the size and can he anchor to be an edge run you know defender? Right? Can he stay in his lane or get or get blown out? Um, off the off the ball, the line of scrimmage, or his spot, or whatever. Um, I mean, there's definitely concerns. Right? LSU's a good team; they're they're ranked number five. I, I I'm not sure about why they're ranked above FSU. That's a totally different story. But um, you know, look, FSU played very well, and I expect them to play very well again. It's one of the hallmarks of Mike Norvell's teams is uh, you know being disciplined. Try you know not beating yourself, especially going back to Memphis. That's kind of the team I want to see this year, right? It's the most talent he's probably ever had in his coaching career. And, you know, FSU's offense is absolutely loaded. Uh, I think kind of what they decide to do on offense could be dictated by what LSU is trying to do on defense, right? You know, it's it's I'm getting there where it's almost like a pick your poison type thing with FSU's offense. How do you want? What do you want to stop? Is it the running game? Is it the pass game? And then we see that kind of chess match go back and forth throughout the game, and how how Norvell and Alex Atkins uh, want to you know do their adjustments, especially at halftime, right? Which is where they make a lot of their adjustments. So do they come out in the second half with different formations, right? Different personnel groupings. They you know do a lot of that uh, nub stuff, right? With with uh, you know trips to one side and no receivers to the other side, right? To try to get LSU unbalanced. Do they try to uh, go five wide, which might be unexpected, right? Uh, maybe put, you know, Tofili or Benson in a, in a slot kind of position. There's a lot of different things that FSU could do on offense uh, to keep LSU off balance. Uh, and then on defense, I think FSU really just needs to to play smart, right? Do what they did last year. Don't give up explosive plays. Try to do a better job keeping Daniels in the pocket, forcing him to make a throw maybe he doesn't want to make. 
uh, you know, getting getting LSU behind the sticks, right? Second, third, and long, where you could let Verse and Peyton go after Daniels. Uh, again, you know, maybe using Bethune or, or Deloach to, to spy him, right? Something like that. So we'll we'll see. There's a lot of different things they could do. It will be, I mean, I think at last year's LSU game was one of the best games of the entire season. Like Brian, like you alluded to, I think this year's will be just as good. Yeah, what amazes me about both of these teams continues, and it's been something I've hit on so many times, but the similarities between the two teams is just, it's it's really impressive. I don't even want to call it impressive. It's just weird almost because both teams have these dynamic elite athletes at quarterback who can outrun just about any defensive player in the country, but both teams are better when they're back there really slinging it. And, and it's something that I don't think we saw at all from Jaden Daniels in last year's game. We saw it from Jordan Travis, but I don't think we saw it at all from Jaden Daniels. LSU really took off when he kind of figured that out, when they found out how to unlock his ability to throw. But for Florida State, I think it really does come down to can they run the ball and can they keep guys off of Jordan? Because, I mean, I look at this LSU defense. We talked about it a bunch before the show. The secondary is thin. Uh, they're relying on a couple of transfers. One of the guys they were looking at is uh, J.K. Johnson from uh, Ohio State, I want to say. He's likely out. I mean, he broke his foot, so he's out indefinitely. I, I don't. I didn't see something that said like he's definitely out, but typically a broken foot's not something you're going to come back and play week one for. Um, the guy they're really going to rely on is Zion Alexander, who they were probably hoping was our number two. He's a transfer from southeastern Louisiana that's in, that's in Hammond. Uh, I think a D2 school. I mean, you, you know, that's a big step up, but... At the same time, we saw what Jared Verse did last year. You know, I mean, can you say that guy's not really going to be it? And then the defensive line, you've got, as I mentioned before, Mason Smith out and the suspension, which um, I think we can all kind of agree is a bit outrageous, uh, given it's like a 2021 autograph signing and he's suspended in 2023 for it. But um, that's a huge loss. I wrote the the preview for this game and, and I listed him, I think, as the most important player besides Harold Perkins uh, on this LSU team. And that's because he was and probably is the best player on this defense. He figures to be a kind of up-the-middle defensive guy for a long time. They're going to have to turn to transfers to fill that spot. Uh, Jordan Jefferson, I believe he's a West Virginia transfer. And they got one bigger guy from uh, Florida, I believe, as well. Let me let Lee or something. I got I got to have the name in front of me now that I, I of course, I went for it, but I didn't have it. But, um, you know, they're going to have to rely on those transfers to work almost immediately, and, and I think that is a tough sell for a defense trying to put it together in week one. Definitely, and, and I, I think especially, you know, for Florida State's passing game, too, if, if they're able to sustain that internal pressure and, 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 and work well against that interior defensive line, it's just going to make things a lot easier for Jordan, where, where we saw Jordan a lot of time get kind of thrown off his spot is when, you know, he got that internal pressure not not necessarily outside the tackles right so um obviously a huge loss for lsu and and like you mentioned they are pretty thin at those uh db positions so i I, i'll be interested to see you know how how norvell and atkins attack this like like john was alluding to earlier they have tons of options in terms of formations players um different um abilities kind of you know they, they can really take this game plan and match it to whatever they think LSU's weakness is. And I I think that's kind of the thing I'm most curious for. There were a lot of things that came out of this week zero weekend. I think that that kind of reminded me of, hey, this is week one, the first game of college football was some of like the 
the rhythm hiccups in things. I mean, Notre Dame looked looked great. They they clicked what seemed like immediately and took off, and and Navy looked abysmal. But um, maybe that's a bigger part of it. But that's just like, hey, this is week one. This is the first time they're going to line up against another team and and play all season. Um, so that's where I wonder, even on the Florida State side. I mean, we obviously we think about guys like uh, Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell and what they're going to bring to the offense. But is there maybe, you know, in a game scenario, in a in a what is I assume a neutral ish kind of field. I mean, last year was pretty neutral, and I assume this year will be probably about the same, maybe 60 40, kind of the other way than we saw last year. But either way, in that kind of high adrenaline atmosphere, does Jaheim Bell's out take one extra step? Does the the slant off of Keon come a little bit quicker than Jordan expects? You know, those types of things I worry about maybe just that week one hiccup, if that's anything that kind of slows down this offense. Um, because I do think they'll have the ability to protect Jordan um, because I just don't, I, I worry about LSU's ability to put up enough of a defensive front and so many transfers to kind of combat this offense's ability to move the ball. That's where I look at Florida state. And I think the one thing I think can slow them down is themselves almost John. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, first was unblockable last year against LSU. He he terrorized them. I thought Mason Smith was the same way till he got hurt last year in that game. Uh, they're a little shallow too. And I think in the interior defensive line, LSU is behind Smith from, from what I've read. Uh, yeah, but, but Perkins, right. But Perkins is a monster. I mean, eight and a half sacks last year. He, I mean, he looks like he could be a, a double digit sack guy in the NFL. Uh, you know, but FSU has their own transfers too. And Braden Fisk, I, I agree with you guys. It, one thing I keep going back to is the returning production, right? I think FSU's offense returns, I think, 80% of their offensive production from last season, which was 12th best in the country. Uh, and so you hope that the offensive line is where that really comes through, right? That that kind of experience, all these guys have played together now for a couple of years. Most of them, I know, I know those transfers littered the offensive line for FSU. Uh, but, you know, a couple of guys that look like you get drafted, right? Bless Harris looks like he might, he might have a chance to get drafted. Um, so there's... There's talent there now, right? I trust Alex Atkins. I'm very excited to see what they do. I mean, this might be one of the toughest tests of the entire season for this FSU offensive line, right? And LSU has freaks up front. I mean, even without Mason Smith, they're just... But yes, can they run? How multiple can FSU's running game be, right? Going back to to Ben's point earlier, you know, it's funny. We make fun of, we laugh for a long time about the how often they ran counter against Miami last year. But as the season wore on, they did add a few more, you know, different blocking schemes that that they use. So how multiple are they going to be against LSU? How much stuff do they throw at LSU knowing that you still have Clemson a couple of weeks away? That is arguably the more important game, right? Uh, so I, I, again, I, I think this is going to be an absolute showdown, a whole chess match all the way through. It, it just, I don't Who knows? If the game was so close last year, I don't know. Yeah. And also, you know, I think kind of just, Going off that as well, right? We're we're gonna see this team with, like you said, an injection of talent in terms of skill players. They had Braden Fisk, Fentrell Cypress. We haven't even mentioned that they have all these new pieces, even though they have all these returning starters. So you know, seeing how that all fits in and gels, that that's gonna be really crucial for FSU. But but I, I do think this LSU game is kind of the perfect litmus test, like like last year was for Florida State, where we can really understand you know what this team is trying to do on offense and defense this year and, and i think uh 
yeah, I'm just excited. It's going to be a great game. I think there's going to be fireworks, like we've mentioned a ton of times. Um, and, and, you know, I think if Florida State wins or loses this game, um, I, I it, it's it's really more about how it looks. Obviously, you want them to win the game. I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't want to win the game, but um, the context of that and, and how we see this team attack LSU on offense and defense I think that's going to be really informative to to what the rest of the season looks like. Yeah, because I, I felt like there were a lot of things you could have taken from last year's game and been like, that's frustrating. That this shouldn't have been that the fumble at the goal line and the allowing them to go 99 yards back to to score, which could have been the tying or winning score, depending on you know, the block kick at the end. But, um, you know, you could have taken that energy from it, but it felt like the way that they played and, and in dominating a large majority of it it was just something you just wanted to see was just, can we do that? And you could. Um, so I think that is a good point on the context of it. One thing I think that's also interesting that we haven't mentioned is LSU's entire offensive line is back. Uh, same five across the board. And and the two tackles are both being talked about as potential heading into next year. Guys who are high sought after in the draft, both started almost every game as a freshman. So John, when you mentioned like verse slaughtering them last year, I mean, he was playing against a couple of high school kids, basically. And, and now they're both a full year in SEC under their belts and, and kind of becoming leaders. And that's kind of, I guess, Brian Kelly's whole thing is like offensive line first. Um, but the one thing LSU still couldn't do last year was run the ball. And that's something I'm really interested in is, did they figure that out this offseason? They got the transfer of Logan Diggs from Notre Dame. Um, but obviously, we all know that FSU's run defense was a lot different when Fabian Lovett was in there than when he wasn't. So... You know, you're looking at it, looking at a team who's trying to figure out how to run the ball and they're hoping to do better this year against a defense that when Fabian's out there doesn't really give that up based off how they played a year ago. Of course, the one thing that, that can always come up is what we saw last year is the one thing LSU felt confident in that they could trust was Mason Smith was going to plug up the middle for him. And then one drive into the game, he was out of there. So hopefully we don't see many injuries on either side and we get this great chess match of game that we're hoping for. Um, obviously, like I said, LSU's got some to keep an eye on heading into the game. I'm sure Florida State's got some here or there we just don't know about. But again, it's it's just one of those things that hopefully we get to actually see this game truly play out. Does anyone want to take their their swing at what's going to happen here first? Anyone interested in, <laughs> at doing it? Because God knows I still haven't come around to it, even as we talk through this right now. Oh, well, I, I mean, like we've talked about, I think it's going to be a really close game. Um, I, I don't actually think it's going to be too high scoring, though. I think we're going to be pretty similar to the ballpark we were looking at last year. So if you're asking me to give a prediction, I'll, I'll give FSU the slight edge. Very, very slight. Um, I'll say a Ryan Fitzgerald uh, field goal wins it for them 27-24. Man, a Ryan Fitzgerald field goal? <laughs> Walk off. I'm calling it now. <laughs> the, uh, earnest, the earnest with you asked that with was, oh, uh, okay. Well, if that's what I've got to take, I guess. <laughs> look, nothing. Okay. No offense to the kid. It was just, it was just very funny to see your face in the moment. No, no, but but let's be realistic too. I mean, he. I mean, we're not trying to be mean or anything, but he made sixty percent of his kicks last year. That's that's yeah, you need even, to see improvement. That's not even below average. That's below below average. Yeah, and both and both teams severely struggled at kicking last year. Obviously, LSU had the two kicks blocked and muffed two punts, and then uh, you know, obviously FSU had their own kicking struggles in that game and as the year went along. So both teams need to take a drastic step forward this year in special teams for either one of them to come close to this top ten ranking. 
Yeah, I, I feel like we're gonna see. Like last year was like we said, like you mentioned earlier, Brian. Like FSU was very dominant in the context of that game. They won and it was close, but FSU looked better. Um, but a lot of weird stuff just happened last year, whether it was the goal line or the special teams, or there was just so many twists and turns with that game. I don't know if we'll quite get that, but I think something weird is going to happen at some point in this game. Yeah, and what I've heard a lot in the complaints of like we, with the context of us bringing up that last year's game was weird and that a lot of things that like it wasn't a well-played game. And like they're like, well, oh, at the end it was great. And I was like, I get that. But like if, if LSU muffs two punts, and and you know has two kicks blocked. I feel like Florida State has to counter that into points. And there were just times where they just let. There were so many opportunities left on the board where I think this time around we get a cleaner game. Where if that mistake happens, it's the mistake of the game, not one of the five or six footnotes on a absolutely chaotic what just happened kind of game. Yeah, and that's something, you know, we talked about a lot, especially in our offensive previews, is Florida State putting, you know, their foot down on the gas pedal and finishing teams, right? They 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 struggled a lot with that last year, especially in those three games they lost. I mean, obviously, they're going to struggle in the games they lose, but, but that was just a, a weakness that we saw with them last year that, you know what, we'd like to see them respond. And, and you know, I know we brought up a, a few weeks ago how they had so many offensive stretches where they just stalled out. So, you know, I, I'm going to be really curious to see if if they have a driver to not go their way, if momentum swings or is in the air a little bit, how, how do the Seminoles respond? And, and you know, I, I think, you know, for them this year, that's going to be just super, super important. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, in terms of what I really want to see this game, if, if you know, we, I talked about the context earlier, if I, if I feel very confident coming out of this game, it's because Florida State not only beats LSU, but they put their foot on the gas pedal and they they stomp them out. They they make it happen. And, and we don't come away with that same feeling like we did last year where it was like things could have really gone wrong if one or two things would have went differently. So, John, did we give you enough time to think of an answer? I I know the spread's two and a half. It would be easy to say something like 23-20 or 26 23 or something like that and maybe that's what it ends up being uh i don't know i i think fsu wins by more than a field goal but less than a touchdown that's what i say so i I go something like maybe 33 27 or something like that you know uh i just i i can't even really give you a reason for it right because i know lsu is a good team uh, but I, I think Florida State is better. And I think Jordan Travis, if he gets into that mode that we've seen him go into sometimes, he just, you know, I I don't even know what to say here. <laughs> I think I, because I'm so excited, this game's the, both these teams are so good. I think they are pretty evenly matched, to be quite honest with you. But... And they both made mistakes last year, and FSU just ended up making a little less. And I think that this year's game will come down to the exact same thing, right? Especially because it's week one. Week one's always messy. Uh, it's always, you know, a little rusty. So who makes the fewest mistakes? I'm going to go with the team I think has the most experience, and that's Florida State. Uh, even though, like I said, the kicker position is, is a little scary. I don't think that they're going to leave it up to the kicker in this game, honestly, like it was last year. I don't think they're going to do that this year. Um, but I know LSU is out for revenge, so – 
uh, like I said, anything can happen, uh, especially with a, a spread this tight. Um, I wish this game was in Tallahassee, not Orlando. But I think, yeah, I'm going to go like 33-26 or 27 FSU. I think they win. So I guess I have to talk now. If you thought John was undecided on what to do here, I, I don't even know where to begin with myself. Um, for those of you who maybe you're new to the proceedings, I, I am an LSU grad, even though I do this Florida State podcast and the other two Florida State podcasts, which you should listen to and subscribe. They're all great. <laughs> um, and I have obviously, through my three seasons here, really grown an attachment to Florida State. I, I would say it is it is team uh, 1A, 1B for me in that weird respect, despite uh, really no attachment to it besides doing these pods. Um, and I sit here, and every time I talk through this game, I end up sitting right on the line of, I think whoever has the ball last is going to win this damn game. Because I look at everything uh, top to bottom, and I look at Florida State's offense, and I have all the confidence in the world. I have all the confidence that Jordan has made a leap, and he is a legitimate Heisman contender. Trey Benson's one of the best running backs in the country, and this offensive line can and will be solid. My question continues to be, how good is that LSU depth in the D-line? With Mathan Smith, I was a lot more concerned. But they did bring in two guys who transferred as defensive tackle starters at Power 5 schools from before. Are they good enough to keep up? Don't know. I love FSU's receivers. I think Keon Coleman's going to be... We thought Johnny Wilson changed the world last year. Just wait till you see what Keon does this year type guy. Is that connecting in week one? Does that click week one? And does LSU even have the corners to keep up with it? You know, I... If they've got guys who can run with Johnny and a couple shots to Johnny don't work and they've got a guy who can lock up Keon maybe in that kind of phone booth area, maybe. I don't know. And then LSU's uh, offense themselves, like I mentioned, they bring back everyone. So every time I look at this, I, I just I just can't really separate the two teams. It, it's uh, My head says it's, it's a Florida State narrow victory and my heart says it's an LSU narrow victory because, you know, that's just where I went and that's that's how I see it. But I really can't draw the line because where I come back to is the one thing I think that makes the biggest difference is can LSU figure out what their run game needs to look like beyond, Hey, Jaden, just go run the ball because that's what, that's, that was the only thing that running game looked like a year ago. They went and got a transfer. They've got the whole offensive line back. Just can they do it? And, and having watched LSU every game last year and Florida state every game last year, the biggest problem LSU ran into in the games that they lost was they were muffing punts and, kicking uh, uh, kicking off out of bounds. And it was just a, like they would just get in their own way. And the same with Florida State. The games that they lost, it was they had three or four drives in a row where it just felt like they didn't know what they were doing. It's like they just totally forgot what they were supposed to come out and do. And then they'd just come back three or four drives later and just roll out touchdowns and make it a great game again. Um, I think these are two of the best four teams in the country. I, I just don't see – I mean, obviously Georgia exists. I think these two teams are loaded. Transfers left and right. Personally, I'll say it's 21-20, and I'll give it to LSU because that's where I went to school. That's where my degree is from, and I'm sorry I covered that team for three years too. But I just think this is going to be a phenomenal football game. I'm really excited to see them play it. The thing I keep going back to, and Ben, you mentioned the lower score for this one. I noticed it was kind of weird, the clock running this year. Um, instead of on first downs, the clock continues to run. I feel like that really kind of shortened a lot of these games. And took away some of those more offensive opportunities where I think is the scenario where LSU or FSU shines a lot more into this year, which it sucks that this is the year they have that awesome offense and now we're going to limit possessions because the clock's just going to keep running. But I really think this is going to be an absolute banger of a game. 
And I don't think it hinders Florida State long-term. We've talked about it. I don't think it does anything. And I'll just go ahead and pivot to that right now, if that's okay with you guys, unless we have anything else on LSU to say. I, I think one minor thing I, I thought about while you were talking through, you know, it coming down to the last possession, how's this game going to end? Um, you mentioned maybe LSU is able to keep up with Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. Um I'm going to strongly disagree with that. I think at the end of the game, those guys are going to make the difference. And I know that's not exactly what you were saying, Brian, but but I think those two guys in particular, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, their skill set, to me, Keon Coleman's the most talented jump ball, you know, short, short area um, receiver I've seen. And I think he's going to be not just a legit NFL prospect, but I think he's going to be a dude in the NFL. Um, and And Johnny, I mean, we, we, we know what Johnny can do when he gets hot and, and when he gets a good rhythm going in. And I think, to me, the run game is going to be good for Florida State. But as we get further and further into the game and it becomes more of a close shootout, which, you know, even though the score might not be high, I think it's going to be a, a sort of a shootout, right? Um, those two guys making the difference on those end-of-game drives, I, I think that's what separates Florida State. And just to, I guess, to final clarify that point there, I guess on Johnny, I'm saying more he's being the big threat guy. You know, he's the maybe two catches for 20 yards like he had against Miami or against Florida, or he's like, you know, six for 100 or seven for 200. And it's just if he gives you two for 20 or two for 40, it becomes a lot tougher in that scenario. Um, You know, because then you're down to Keon and maybe they've got a guy who's a shifty in a corner or they can slide something there. They maybe, you know, maybe that's that scenario. Um, But I just I'm with you. I really don't see a way that that thin defensive secondary for a full game doesn't let Johnny get one or doesn't let Keon, if they get close enough, let him be just six, four and huge. you got two giants on the outside. It's not easy to keep up with. But you also still have Kentron Poitier, and then you have uh, yep. Dustin uh, Destin Hill, who has apparently done extremely well in camp. Right? You still have Deuce Span. You, you still got you know bigger guys like Darian Williamson. This receiving core, they're not just good; they're they're huge. huge. They're enormous. And besides, whether Denver Harris or, or whatever his name is for LSU plays, yep. uh, they they have a bunch of freshmen behind them. All these kids are talented, right? But a lot of them are freshmen in the secondary for FSU, I know they're going to take shots. But you know how it is. You throw a 50-50 jump ball up there, sometimes the other team comes down with it, right? Does LSU make those plays, or does Johnny or Keon come down with them, right? Or does Kentron, like, make some outrageous Superman catch, right, down the sideline or something? So it, it those are the plays I'm talking about, those bang-bang 50-50 plays. You expect FSU's guys to go up there and get them because they're enormous guys. But you never know. Again, they're talented on the other side. Do they come down with something, right? Does that change the, the moment of a game? It, it can be as simple as that. And for those of you who are now biting at your at your steering wheel, screaming Brian is a hater, uh, let me go ahead and transition to season long. Uh, DraftKings has the over-under on wins for Florida State at 10. Um, we're talking ACC title game perspective here. We're talking, they've got the, I mean, they are basically co-favorites. I want to say it was like Clemson was plus 145 to win the ACC and FSU is like plus 150. Yeah, it's like plus five. And, and when you look at, you know, playoff odds and championship odds too, it's it's Clemson then slight, you know, slight gap FSU. Yeah, it, it's very much neck and neck. And I feel like it's pretty clear to me if you win the ACC, you are likely one of the four teams because I just don't see someone else on this schedule that's going to push them out of that window. Um, so I'll actually go first since I was uh, Mr. Waffle and, and unsure what to do with this <laughs> LSU-FSU game. I'm going to go with L- uh, FSU going 11-1 and with the loss being LSU. 
I think Ooh. I think this team is that kind of good. Um, I think LSU is the one team that could get them based on what I mentioned before, being that game one, um, being a team that I expect to be playing Georgia for the SEC title. And I think it's one of those one, two point type games that when you look at FSU's record in the year, you're going, that's a team that's unbeaten. Um, you know, it's a one point neutral site loss that came from, I don't know, a snap over the folk, the, the punter's head, you know, something like that, where you look at the schedule and you can easily kind of write it off. I think this team is legit. Um, I have tried as many times as I could to be the outside guy looking in and not sit here with some kind of garnet and gold glasses because, you know, again, I didn't go there, don't have a degree from there. Um, I just don't see it, man. I look at the roster up and down and I look at this, this schedule. It's, it's LSU game. It's Clemson game. And it's a bunch of also uh, ACC games. Like just, just line them up. And if you go play your ball, you win. I think Clemson's the only one that pushes them. Um, I think LSU and Clemson is probably a split. If I had to guess, you do have to probably beat Clemson twice. Um, but I think they're capable of doing it. And and I, I like them as 11 and one, likely 12 and one playoff team. I, I really, when I look at the ways they can not get there, it's, it's injuries. It's, it's maybe linebacker injuries. If I had to pick one spot in particular, but I really think this team is legit. And as much as I've tried to poke holes in it, I just can't. I can't really do it. I just keep looking at, like we mentioned before, got to have turnover, I guess, regression to the mean, you know, the, the progression, more turnovers come the defense's way. That that just seems almost impossible to have another low number like that. And if you can avoid those three, four bad possessions in a row, like we saw in their losses, I just don't see how they, they end up in that same spot. You guys both made faces and went, ooh, uh, I'll go to... Ben first, I guess. What's the numbers telling you on why I'm an idiot? Probably not. Um, I think you're going to be right here with me. No, I, I kind of am right there with you. I mean, I, I think you made a lot of great points. I, I think if there's any games that they lose that aren't due to weird circumstances, it's it's LSU and Clemson, and I think they likely split or sweep those games. Um, I, I, I think, you know, before I give my prediction, I, what I'm most interested to see is, you know, Last year, going into the season, this Florida State team was the team coming off a five-win season. Uh, the team, or sorry, seven. Uh, it was five to seven. And then, you know, people had some idea of like, hey, maybe this is a seven-eight-win team. But where they ultimately ended up and, and how good the team really ended up being, um, that just wasn't the expectation. So now FSU is going from those expectations last year to – they're they're going to be circled on everyone's schedule this season. They are going to be the team that that people look at and say we have to beat this team when they show up on their schedule. And Definitely. I'm going to be most interested to see you know now that there's a year out of tape uh, of tape with Jordan Travis with good receivers, a receiver like Johnny Wilson who's more than capable of producing those big games. And you know we saw Trey Benson as well. We saw this offense be really successful. How do teams game plan against Florida State this year? And then what is Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins counter to that? To me, that is going to be the key to this season is I think this offense will be very, very, very good. But are they going to be very, very, very good? Or are they going to reach the ceiling that they're capable of? So I think for me, that's going to be the difference between them being a playoff team and not being a playoff team. Um, 
I do think they're going to figure that out, though. So I, I, I do predict that this team is going to win the ACC championship. I think they will go 12 and one, um, you know, previous to the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll have one loss um, in terms of which game. I, I honestly am airing more on the side that they have one really, really weird game and that they beat LSU and Clemson. You know, I I, I think they're much better than LSU and Clemson. Um, maybe not much better, but Florida State is going to be the better football team. And I think they're the better coach team in both of those games. Um, so I, my expectation is they'll win those games. They'll have one weird game where maybe it's due to injuries or a certain field goal kicker or a number of weird decisions on, on fourth down at the goal line, you know, weird shit happens sometimes. So yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I hate to, to give a prediction of, of them going undefeated and everything being perfect. Cause that's just not football. Uh, and, and that rarely happens even for great teams. Um, so I, I think like you mentioned, Brian, you had a really good point about the um, turnover luck they had last year. I think that's going to go more this way this year. And there's a lot of underlying numbers like that on the defensive side of the ball where they got more unlucky than not last year with, with like turnovers was, was the biggest thing. Um, but you know, just the way their offense slowed down in those important games. We've talked about it over and over, but I think it really hurt this defense in, in those games where, you know, by the time Florida State's offense had woken up against Clemson, uh, it just, they ran out of time. Um, so I think this year they won't have those long stretches where they slow down like that. I think Norvell and Atkins will respond really, really well um, to what defenses present to them. I think they're going to have great counters to what teams try and do to take them apart. And, you know, I think they make the playoffs from there. Um, who knows season season, you know, trying to predict right now what the playoffs are going to look like and who they'll beat or, or those kind of things. Um, we're not there yet. So I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I think, you know, that's my expectation. And really, I, I think anything short of that, I wouldn't characterize it as an outright failure but they would not meet their expectations that people have for them this year. Um, so. I'll test. I'll test that expectation line for you in a second, for sure. <laughs> John, um, what what are, what are your thoughts here? I think I think we kind of both are, are looking at this in some kind of rosy world. Are you going to join us? Yes, I. Wow! Look, okay. look at that! Look at those three <laughs> homers just hanging out. So. It's hard for me to sit here and say, "Oh, yes, they're definitely going to make the playoffs," right? I. Right. I it's so far in the future that I can't really even make a guess one way or the other. I'd say the odds are that they don't, right? Because it's a very difficult thing to do. We haven't seen what this team looks like yet. Uh, I know the math, right? Says they go 10 and two. They it might even say that nine and three is more likely than 11 and one, but I'm going to say they're going 11 and one. And, and the crazy thing about that is, if they do that and they're in the ACC title game, I mean, you win and you're in, right? The playoff. Yeah. So I, I I, just, I can't commit to being like, yes, they're going to make the playoff. But at the same time, I am committing to them, I think, being this football team that will be in position to have a chance at the playoff, right? Uh, I, you know, beating Clemson is a, a big thing to ask after the last four or five, six years. Uh but they're going to have to do it twice, right? If they if they want to do that, really, they're going to have to do it twice. And I think, as I've thought about this question over the last couple of weeks, I keep going back to two seasons ago, 
you know, we sat here, you know, FSU coming off a five and seven season. And I said, I think they make progress, right? People are talking, is Mike going to get fired? Is he on the hot seat? Blah, 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 and all the garbage. I thought they're going to go seven and five, right? I, I thought that the progress was going to be there. They were going to go seven and five. The, the march was going to decline, was going to continue. Instead, they went 10 and three. So I'm going 11 and one. I think this team is going to be really damn good. I I don't think that they lose more than once. Where who that loss comes to, I couldn't begin to tell you. But I don't think they lose more than once. If I were to, like you mentioned, I'm trying to look up what our staff predictions were from last season to see if I could find mine as well, and I can't. I can't grab it real quick. But the the thing that I wanted to grab up oh, here it is right here. Let me see. Dip, 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 dip. Stalling, 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 stalling. This is great radio. I hope you guys all enjoy it. This is perfect. Scrolling down, found it. Yeah, I had seven and five as well. Yeah, staff yeah. predictions, seven and five. Noel through and through, seven and five. Perry, wow, Perry went nine and four. Perry's got the dart throw of the year. Yeah, he had it because they went nine and three regular season, right? Yeah. So. Uh, Frank had a 10 wins ACC championship, but we may lose the bowl game. Tim went seven and five, and last Noel of Krypton went seven and five. Actually, he went eight and four. Everyone was, I thought, maybe more positive than we kind of expected, but it, it kind of played out that way. Um, you know, I, I was pretty impressed with the way that season went a year ago. The one thing that I mentioned, and if I can go ahead and I guess just play devil's advocate, even on my own prediction, the thing that bothers me is when I kept trying to poke holes in it. And I look at last year's stat lines, like I mentioned, Johnny Wilson being kind of in, I don't want to call it like Deshaun Jackson because he's way bigger, but that kind of like boom bust if you're thinking about maybe your fantasy team. Like this is the big week, this is the week where maybe it's not. And if they run into one of those weeks, you know, you need Keon Coleman to be that guy. That's where I keep going back when I try to poke holes in it. I go, well, Keon's there. Well, Jaheim Bell is there. And I keep filling like that, I don't know, with an answer. If they didn't have Keon, I could just as e- I could much more easily talk myself out of okay, so this might be somewhere they could struggle. They could fall into the same lull as last year. I just believe in the talent there better. Um, Ben, I told you I would push your lines on what is a successful year. Mm -hmm. I will start with this, and I'm looking for one word from both of you, and maybe we'll let you elaborate after. John, I'll go to you first since you kind of presented this scenario. One word, yes or no. Florida State goes 11-1 and and loses the ACC title game to Clemson. Successful year? No. Ben? No, really? Okay, so eleven and one with a loss to Clemson. You want the ACC title to put to call that's that's the line. Win an ACC title? Yes, I <laughs> I, I, I think that you know I I hate to say it like that because I keep talking about it, but context matters, and it definitely does. And you know, I don't want to gloss over that, but I I, I do think with how this team has loaded up with their talent, with the window that they have. Um, I, I think you have to win the ACC championship this year for it to be a successful year. Um, you, you know, I, I think the thing with Florida State is we've always seen them take steps forward under Mike Norvell, right? That you you just alluded to it. Um, to me, the next step forward is the ACC championship game, and and not only getting there but winning it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty simple. They've improved every single year under Mike Norvell, and. To me, this year is is no different. John, same for you. Uh, sort of. For most programs, winning eleven games 
is successful, right? Uh, I'm going to go a little homerish here and say that Florida State is not like most programs. And is eleven winning 11 games a good season? Absolutely. If FSU wins 11 games this year, it's absolutely a good season. But it's not successful because it's time for them to win the ACC, right? Clemson is the most vulnerable. I know they hired that great offensive coordinator from TCU. Kate Klubnick looks better than, than uh, DJ, you know, who transferred out to Oregon State. Uh, Will Shipley's a monster, right? Uh, but, but you know, maybe their defense takes a step back. You know, Venables has gone second year without Venables. Uh, some of that, that championship caliber talent on defense they had. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is Clemson is vulnerable, right? FSU, this is the best team they're going to have of, you know, at least a couple of years, right, as, as Norville will rebuild after this, right? Now's the year. You have to do it, right? Yeah. And that, you can lose you can lose to LSU and Clemson, right, in the first four weeks and still make it all the way to a rematch to Clemson and win. You're not going to make the playoff, and that's fine. I, again, my successful measurement here is not making the playoff. It's winning the ACC. That's what being a successful season would be. The Making the playoff would be the cherry on top of that. But to do that, you have to beat Clemson at least once. And I, I think that they're going to do that. So John really just took my next question out of my mouth. So I'll, I'll take it one step further. I was going to go with, so 10 and two ACC title would be successful. I guess that's yes for both. hundred percent. You go nine and three, you lose the LSU game. You lose the Clemson game. Let's say you lose, I guess for argument's sake, maybe Florida is more likely where you still win the conference. Uh, maybe I still my, think that Duke maybe Miami is kind of a trap game, honestly. Okay. Let's just call it Duke. Then Ben says we lose to Duke. Duke it is. So Duke is another loss. You go nine and three, but you win the ACC title over Clemson. Success, John. Yes. Yes. Ben. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone in any way, shape, or form expects this team to go below nine and three. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Uh, anything below nine and three? Are we talking? I don't think at any point in this conversation, anywhere at nine and three, are we discussing any kind of job in jeopardy? I think Mike Norvell has made a plenty enough stance on his line there i feel like if anything nine and three we're probably expecting injuries right if, if you go nine and three or if you go eight and four we're gonna have to expect someone maybe got hurt along the way yeah that would be things that have had to go so far off the rails with injuries that no one's gonna blame mike norvell for that uh, I, I again it would be injuries would be the only way that this team finishes with four more wins in the regular season same for you ben yeah i i think the only way that that kind of disaster which in calling eight and four a disaster when thinking I mean that's a hell of a turnaround right it's incredible (laughs) it's incredible um uh yeah no I I think injuries is is, injuries is really the only thing that could derail it maybe some weird games weird end of game situations happen I mean we saw this team struggle with that last year right so maybe that could be the only other thing but yeah I think injuries the one thing I could see, and obviously if things get worse than that, I'm sure we'll see conversations around um, Mike Norvell and, and job security and those things personally. And I think it's, it's I can go ahead and speak for both of you on this. And if you, if, I, if you disagree, feel free to jump in. I don't see a scenario where they end up in a worse position in terms of success uh, than that nine and three, eight and four window. And I don't think in any way, shape or form for me. And I, again, reading and com- talking with both of you, both on this pod and offline, um, is there a way that I think Mike Norvell faces any job security this year just based off what he did a year ago and the roster he's built here? Um, but I am curious if they were to turn in an eight and four, nine and three, the people who 
have been against Norvell, who have been silenced, um, start to come back because one of their talking points from before was, yeah, he's great, but I don't think he's going to be the guy to eventually get us over the hump. Um, I could see them coming back out of the woodwork. But as I've said before, I think the three of us are kind of in agreement and have been since the beginning. This dude seems to have a little bit of uh, what we like to call it. Um, (laughs) And the way the program continues to move and improve, it just feels different, man. It just feels, I I don't know. I just can't help but root for the guy, you know, And, and, and whether he's at Florida State or not. I mean, obviously being at Florida State gives us a front row seat to it, but I feel like the way he builds the program feels pretty damn honest. It feels pretty damn strong. And he's done an amazing job. Like John, you were talking about where we were not, but less than two years ago to where we're at today. Um, I just can't imagine that being a scenario that comes out of the season. I, I just feel like dudes earned it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, if they were to go nine and three, eight, eight and four, right. Again, assuming we're, we're all assuming it's injuries. I, I can't see any way it would happen just on the field alone. Right. The question then becomes, can he keep the recruiting class together, right? Because if he keeps that 2024 recruiting class together, then it doesn't matter right. because you know the future is bright anyway because that's that's how you win in college football. And I think the blue chip percentage, which I've gone on over and over in all these episodes the last couple of years, I talked about that time and time again. I think the blue chip percentage of this class, last I looked, was way over 70%. I mean, that puts you in Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia territory. That's how you win titles. He's recruiting. It's only one class. He's got to keep it all the way through to the finish line and then stack two more like that. But that's how you win a national championship, right? Yep. And, and again, that's why I say the playoff is a whole – I mean, Clemson's still more talented than FSU as we sit here today you know, or this, this season. So, But that that's how you win. So, yes, it would be devastating if they lost that many games, but it, it doesn't necessarily dampen the future. Yeah, those people are obviously going to come – out of the woodwork, all over saying, I told you so, I told you so. But if he keeps the recruiting class together, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, right? because the growth is yeah. still there. The improvement's still there, Ben. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's a great point that, you know, even if they take a half step back or it's not quite what we expect, that that future is very bright. I, I do think there is something very real, though, to the fact that, and I think we've all alluded to it, is that this is the year for Florida State to make this happen, right? If it's not yeah. going to happen this year, it's not going to happen for a few years just because of how they've assembled the talent on this team. So I, I think, you know, I don't think it's a situation like both of you mentioned where Mike Norvell gets fired or his job is under scrutiny or anything like that. But you have to make the most of this year. And I think if you don't and, you know, the next few years don't go your way, then that's where we really start talking about job security. So I, I do think for Mike Norvell, it's not necessarily going to get him fired this year or you know something catastrophic like that if, if they do take a half step back but i think it could have the ramifications for the next few years you know of course the recruiting class is excellent and we'll see how that plays out if they do have that sort of situation like john just mentioned but i i really do think there's something to you know you have jordan travis um in his sixth year you, you have this star-studded team um, partially because of of the COVID year and just how things have worked out in college football. You know, the timing is is right for this team. And I do not think that they'll be able to say that for the next two seasons unless something completely comes out of the blue. So you really do have to make the most of this season. I, I think that's the one thing I'm, you know, I don't think, like I said, Mike Norvell's job gets under scrutiny. But if you don't make it happen this year, then it doesn't give you the same leeway in the future 
um, that, you know, if, if they go and win the ACC championship this year, Mike Norvell is going to be a floor state head coach for quite a few years, at least. So I imagine another extension would come through. Yeah. And, and bef- again, to rehit this point before someone is in the comment section and I toxically try to argue back with him, I am in no way saying, I believe he's on the hot seat. It's a make or break. It's a, he has to do it year. Um, we just all came in with the rosy colored. They're going to win the whole damn thing. And just wanted us to talk through the, the opposite side, that eight and four, what does that world look like? What does it sound like? So that way we have a at least level-headed conversation about what that looks like before maybe in October we're sitting here going, wow, four? Really? You lost four? And then we're kind of having to – we can have this to at least come back, revisit, and, and recenter ourselves. I think we all kind of agree. We all kind of reiterated there. I think this is – the program is beyond just wins and losses. Yes, very important, but, you know, keeping the class together and at least building on what they've done is definitely moving in the right direction. The one thing I I would push back, and Ben, I'll let you have a response to it. Um, in terms of this only being the year, it's it certainly is because of Jordan. Um, but there's the the way that they have succeeded so strongly in the portal. I could see why them continuing to maybe microwave it, maybe not next year, but maybe the year after. You know, if they could get someone great next year, if Jordan has that kind of year, you could still kind of microwave it back around. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I no, I, I don't disagree with, with that at all. That they'd be able to to microwave it, but you know, if we're talking about and, and I know John mentioned this earlier, there's just kind of different expectations when you talk about Florida State football. Uh, I, I really do think, you know, I, I, it's not make or break, like you mentioned, Brian, but I, I just think you just have to make the most of this year. If you're if you're Mike Norvell for, you know, the leash that it extends you, like you mentioned, he would probably get a contract extension. Um, I, I just think having that kind of year for this program at this moment in time, is so crucial for what the next three years are going to look like after that, you know? Um, and, and maybe they're still able to microwave it, but I do think the difference between them being an eight win team and an ACC championship team um, to me, that's going to pay off the next few years where they'll really be able to, you know, continue to do that. So I, I think really that's, that's the big thing for me there is, is if you're able to, to reach the heights that we think they're capable of, and they fulfill this, this these expectations. Um, you know, I, I think it's really going to rub off well for the next few years. And you know, I think Florida State will be the program that fans expect it to be. Not to uh, continue to drag this along, but I, we do have a bonus episode of Seminole Rap coming out later this week on Wednesday. Uh, we brought in Mike Golick Jr., former Notre Dame offensive lineman formerly at ESPN, now at the DraftKings Network. Uh, obviously, his dad, Michael X Sr., was Mike and Mike forever. Uh, Mike Jr. certainly made a, a heck of a career with himself on, on Twitter and talking college football. Uh, dude loves it, knows his stuff. He was doing color analysts for a few years over at ESPN. Um, we talked to him for about uh, 30 minutes or so, and we went on a wide range of topics, including an in-depth conversation about Clemson and, and what they're really going to look like. Um, my point, my question there was pretty much we've been talking about the demise of Clemson for two or three years now. Uh, is this finally the one? Thought he had some really good insights there. We talked about what's next behind Clemson and Florida State. Is there anyone to really push for that ACC title spot? If so, who? Um, and then what he thought about this team. And, and we talked glowingly just a minute ago about what we think Mike Norvell is. Um, I thought he shared some great anecdotes about what he saw at practice, particularly in that 2021 year um, pre-Louisville game. And from Jordan Travis and Mike Norvell in those moments where Jordan wasn't starting and Florida State was 0-4 to start that 2021 year. 
Um, I think it's a lot of stuff that we don't really get to see a lot of from that access that ESPN kind of allows. Um, so I think it's a lot of great stuff to listen to. And if you're curious on other guys he's really into, um, spoiler alert, Jaheim Bell. Uh, he really likes him some Jaheim Bell. So we'll see. I mean, obviously we haven't seen him on the field field yet for Florida State, but he's certainly a big fan from his time at South Carolina as a potential difference maker. Um, and, and as an offensive lineman, he he spoke glowingly of uh, Trey Benson and his ability to set up O-linemen for success. So uh, definitely give that a listen. It's coming out on Wednesday. Um, outside of that, we also have our brand new Sharpen the Point podcast coming out on Friday. We'll talk college football picks. I'll talk the big games like the LSU-FSU game. I was going to talk Clemson Duke, Colorado, and TCU. Dion's first game. I know, Ben, you look so excited to see Dion out there again, huh? Oh, just <laughs> just so just so thrilled. Welcome back to the big time. John, you got he's going 11 and 1 this year, too. Dion Sanders? Yeah, 11 and 1. 1 and 11? No, they'll be lucky to win three games. Okay. 1 and 11 from John. <laughs> um, we'll talk that game as well, maybe a little North Carolina, South Carolina, and we'll talk college football DFS, which is growing and, and certainly a fun time there with my my friend Chris Tindall. Um, outside of that, any final thoughts, guys? Yeah, I got one. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that people Justin Fuente is the one who built Memphis, right? Norvell came in after him to a program that had already been established and he took it to even greater heights. And it wasn't that long ago the question had not been answered whether or not uh, Mike Norvell could even build a program, which is what was required of him at FSU. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he comes in, he, he changes the culture, he he brings player development, right? And, and you know, they, they said that he couldn't turn a program around and then he did. And then they said he couldn't recruit and now he is. So... The next question is, is can, I mean, can he keep that class together? Can he continue to stack those recruiting classes? And can he finally get over the mountain that is Clemson, right? Uh, I I think the answer to all of those is the same answer that we've seen to all the previous questions, which is yes. Um, you give him enough time, I think he's the guy. Uh, I know some people have theories that that coaches don't stay more than 10 years or their their message gets stale or things like that. I don't know, man. I You, you don't see coaches – that are here for the long haul anymore, 20, 30 years. I don't think that Norvell is going to be here that long, but I think he's going to do just fine here. Yeah. Ben? And I think, you know, one, one kind of thing I'm thinking about as we're getting out of here is I was talking, I wouldn't say negative in the last 15, 20 minutes, but I was trying to downplay a little bit. Um, In, in reality, I, I do think this is going to be the most exciting Florida state football season in the last decade, um, plain and simple. So I, I think, you know, there's some varying expectations for me in terms of do they get to the ACC championship game? Do they win it? Do they make the playoffs? But I remember personally, you know, I was a Florida State student in uh, 2018 for the first time, the first Willie Taggart year. Um, they did not have the same energy and excitement around the program. And, and I remember my four years at, at Florida State were uh, – not not very exciting to say the least. So I think more than anything, you know, as, as Florida State content creators, people who are going to be talking about this every single week and and uh, letting people know what's happening, that uh, win or lose or, you know, however this season turns out, uh, this is going to be one of the most entertaining and exciting seasons that Florida State has had in a while. And I, and I think for me personally, too, um, a lot of these guys are going to be playing on Sundays and, and we're going to be seeing a lot more of them. So this is just a really exciting time to be talking Florida State. Yeah, to steal one of the, to, to I guess, spoiler alert, this Mike Golick conversation, uh, his his line on Florida State when I asked if the expectations were fair was, 
you can expect at least probably the most fun team in college football. And I think that's really it. You've got a really fun team this year. And however that plays out sounds great. And I think we're all kind of in agreement that it should go pretty damn well. Um, last question for you guys. Should we do some kind of LSU FSU bet here? Where like if LSU by every point LSU loses, I can't talk for that many minutes on next week's pod or something or. <laughs> Well, I like that. I like. I that. like that. Okay. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll start off uh, hosting if if that happens. Yeah. So Brian will just shut up for however many points FSU loses or FSU beats LSU by. We'll put a cap on that too. You know, like ten. You think ten's a good cap or like seven? Ten's a, a solid cap. Somewhere between seven and ten. You know, whatever you think is best, Brian. We'll talk it out on Sunday. Maybe that's what we'll do. <laughs> Uh, one last final note before we do say goodbye. I do want to just, um, I know a lot of you probably listen for, for escape from sports and that or escape using sports to escape. And, and, uh, but we are kind of one big Florida family here. And I know there's a storm kind of out there in the Gulf looking somewhere along Florida. If you're along this West side of the state, um, Tallahassee, probably down to over here in Tampa, maybe a little further South, just, you know, have a plan, get supplies ready, keep your eyes on that storm and just, uh, you know, be safe, hoping this doesn't impact anybody and, and linger in. Hopefully we can kind of move forward after on Wednesday and just kind of get right into the football and, um, you know, just be prepared, be ready. And we're all hoping for the best for all of us along here. Just be ready. And hopefully again, we're, we're, we're talking football next weekend and, and uh, Ben and I are spending our Sunday in Orlando and, and sweating our behinds off in, in this swampy stadium. I'm sure it will be at probably 105 degrees, although it looks like it might be a little cooler. God willing. Yeah, it's it's a nighttime game too. Yeah. So, you know, not not too bad. Yeah, maybe so. It was a little cooler this weekend walking around. It was it was a little breezy and and I was like, wow, it's only like 91 outside of thing. That's great. Uh so yeah, hopefully we get there and hopefully it's a fun time. I, I like I said, I'm sure this will be a really fun season. Uh, I can see it on John's face. You can't tell, but he is just like chomping at the bed with excitement. He is just grinning ear to ear. So uh for Brian, Ben, and John, that's a wrap. Yeah.